You're listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. Lots to talk about this week. Um, we are less than a week away until the college football playoff field is finalized. Several games last weekend with playoff implications. We have to start with the game, Ohio State-Michigan. I know some of us, a lot of us, were expecting uh, tables to turn this year, but it was basically the same game uh, once again that seems to be played every year that Urban Meyer has been at Ohio State. It, and this year, I think, was significantly worse than years past, strictly because Michigan was riding so high on that defense coming in, and then to give up 62 points and just not even look competitive for a majority of the game. Shea Patterson was okay. He wasn't anything special, but they just could not get a stop pretty much the entire night. Yeah, it's it's a rough look for Michigan that branded itself on defense pretty much all season long. Um and you look at the the 39 points and say, you know, the offense had a pretty good day. Two points to that. One is Ohio State. Two, yeah. a lot of it was after the game had already been decided. Ohio State tried to kind of keep Michigan in the game, especially late in the first half, um, fumbling the kickoff and, you know, just gifting Michigan a couple scores. Really, uh, really ruined the, the under- quickly before Ohio State passed the over-under all by itself. Right. Um, but, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, phenomenal in this game. Six touchdowns. Paris Campbell, phenomenal in this game. Um, he has been such a weapon for them the last couple seasons. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would like to point out, I was on record last week saying Michigan does not have the look of a playoff team. They are not – you know, head and shoulders better than right other teams as they should be. Um, but yeah, Ohio State will ruin that season real quick. So for for all the success that Michigan kind of had this year, I guess they beat Michigan State, but their two losses this year to Ohio State and Notre Dame that's that's gotta hurt. Yeah, two pretty big rivalry games, especially for Harbaugh. Coming into the year, the narrative was he doesn't win the big game. He doesn't win the rivalry games. Well, he kind of won a couple of the big games, but he certainly did not win the rivalry games. Yeah. Um, I mean, these these were the, the biggest by far. And, and they're, they're two game day games of the season. And right. it, it did not work out. Although it does serve um, them right because Desmond Howard tried to say that they would deserve to be above Notre Dame if they beat Ohio State. Yeah, that way. I mean, it's just been a a week of bad takes with even better timing. Uh, if you think of Jay Williams and his Duke could beat the Cavs take um, right yes. before they lost to Gonzaga, also great timing. Um, but I mean, as it stands right now, the Big Ten's probably going to be on the outside looking in. Would need a lot of help. Um, conference championship week to get into that top four. So, I mean, no one with a, a brain would keep Michigan in after this. And it's tough to imagine Ohio State will leap up all the way from 10th. Um, I don't know, though. <laughs> I would not be I mean, surprised. People, people are crazy. Um, are. Oklahoma, West Virginia. I feel like they play this game um, the same way every year. West Virginia just does not have quite enough in them to take down Oklahoma, even though I still think they have the better team. Yeah. Um, it was basically who has the ball last, but 
the big difference in this one, Oklahoma's defense actually made plays two fumble recovery touchdowns. And I mean, playing somebody who's as bad defensively as Oklahoma, you just really can't let that happen. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest play was the uh, out of bounds block that was called, which might be the most ridiculous penalty in the history of football because you are conditioned to play till the whistle and you're downfield blocking for a guy that if you let up, he can easily get back in the field to play and make a tackle. That negates a 70-yard run down to the two. Two plays later is the scoop and score for Oklahoma, and all of a sudden it's a 10-point game instead of a three-point game with like four minutes left. Uh, I'll just go on the record and say I was 21 points off on this game, and I had it at 49-45. So that tells you all you need to know about how just <laughs> great the offense was and just equally bad the defense was. Uh, 49-45 still would have smashed the over. Um, but yeah, it, it it really reminded me of, if you've seen The Blind Side, oh, yeah. um, Mike, Mike, yeah, Mike Lord in his high school game, over. where he literally just keeps blocking him, dumps him over a fence. Um, and I mean, in that game, they I think they try to flag him for like excessive blocking or some mumbo-jumbo that doesn't exist, but... Yeah, that that's what that reminded me of. It's it's tough because on the one hand, I understand like at a certain point a guy is so far away right from that he's the not play, like you're play. going into the bench, but that's not really going to or not something you want to be consciously thinking about. You know, when you're going full speed during a play, like you said, you're just my job during this play is to block this guy. I'm gonna keep doing it till the whistle signals the play's over. Um, there is no teaching I mean, the moment, guy, though. Like, that's the thing. Usually on penalties, there's a teaching moment. Like, hey, you can't hit low, or, you know, you can't... If you're going to try and hold them, you got to stay within the shoulder pads, or you can't grab like that. This one, what do you say? Like, stop badass blocking him downfield? Yeah, I I don't know, because you'd, you'd much rather do this than be the guy who, who lets up because you think he's out of the play, and then exactly. comes back and makes a tackle. So right. That's a tough look. Um, I mean, West Virginia was pretty much already out of the playoff picture, I guess. Um, judging by some of the losses in front of them, they could have played their way all the way up to like, I don't Probably know. six. Six, sixth or seventh. Yeah, so I guess they really could have been right back in the thick of things. Um, but, oh well. Um, Oklahoma stays alive behind just an all-time bad defense. Kennedy Brooks and uh, Marquise Brown, massive, yeah. massive games. Um, I mean, Kyler Murray had a great game too, but uh, those two guys in the supporting cast were just gashing West Virginia all night long. Um, and just when it thought like Will Green and company kind of had some momentum, had fought their way back, they'd give up another big play. Yep. Um, Oklahoma would go back up by touchdowns. Just very uh, Sisyphusian. Um I can't imagine being either of these defenses in the film room today. Like, what are you watching? Especially in the secondary. It was legitimately four straight scores in a row where guys were just running seam routes down the middle and there was just no safety help or the corner let up or something just got beat off the ball. Those, those are all Gary Jennings was doing. He's just running straight ahead and no one would get in his way. This was a receiver's yards. dream, this game. Yeah. We had three guys over 200 yards, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm picturing, like, Ohio State, Oklahoma, if they played each other with those secondaries and then Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins going back and forth. Yeah. 
both break 60 for sure. Easily. Very easily. Um, but, I mean, Oklahoma, against all odds, still very much alive in a playoff race. Um, they will presumably need some help as well. Um, but, you know, Washington State, they were hanging on by a thread no longer. Um, they played inside of a snow globe yeah. at Pullman. Um <clears throat> against Washington this weekend. And just like he did last year, Miles Gaskin just dominated the Cougs. Yeah, he was great. This is, you know, the Miles Gaskin that we'd seen for the past seven years, essentially at Washington, just dominating defenses. And then he kind of disappeared the last year and a half or so. Jake Browning stinks. (laughs) I don't know what it is. That guy just cannot play quarterback. He was 11 of 14 with an interception. But uh, this was this was essentially the Gardner Minshew game. This was his chance to take over, facing a really good secondary, show what he can do, and he just came up flat. Uh, twenty six of thirty five with two interceptions, didn't even break two hundred yards. Yeah, and that's that's also a little bit indicative of the conditions. Um, oh, for sure. But for this sure. was this was going to be a tough matchup for him and for Washington State, regardless. But I think that really tilted the scales in Washington's favor. Um, Jake Browning did have an assist on a touchdown pass. Um, he did. <laughs> Washington's one touchdown through the air is on a double pass. But, yeah, neither quarterback really playing that well. Um, and Washington just forcing Minshew into a ton of short passes, didn't even average five yards per attempt, which, I mean, really tells well you all you need to know. average. Yeah, and uh, so for Washington State, pretty disappointing end. They're not even going to be North Division champions, won't even have a shot at the the Pac-12 title, let alone uh, the college football playoff. Um, I know they were kind of hoping for, you know, at least Rose Bowl um, as a consolation prize for this season. Won't be the case anymore, but they'll, they'll probably still end up somewhere in the New Year's Six. Hope it's a good matchup against another offensive team. Give me Oklahoma. Maybe West, West Virginia, West Virginia or Oklahoma. Too. Yeah. Um, either of those would be a fun game. But for now, it's a, it's a disappointing end to what was a, a historically good year in Pullman. Yeah. Um, so any change in your top four plus one? Just Oklahoma at five. That's all, all I have changed. So Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, UCF. Despite, we'll get to the Milton injury, I'm sure. But even with that, they deserve it still. Okay. Um, I have the same top four. The fifth is Georgia, and we can talk about that. It's UCF just hammered USF after that, which I was yeah very glad to see. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. The fact that this will probably be used now um, to justify, like, UCF dropping maybe or not passing, say, Michigan um, in the rankings is – Guarantee has you me Ohio so, State will jump them. Guarantee yeah, you. It, it has me so pre-mad. Um, it's like it, pre-mad online, yeah. If you, yeah, if you, if you, if you may have noticed, they still Are have not lost a game. Yes. Yeah. Every every anti UCF take or ev- everything arguing, you know, a Power Five team above them is basically the the narrative. Well, UCF can't possibly compete with these guys, or you know, they're. You put them on the same field as an SEC team, they get blown out. Well, why don't we just give them a chance and see what happens? If you, if you, if you as you before know, that though, football, how about how about Auburn last year? 
That's a good Auburn right. team that they went out and beat. Oh, but Auburn didn't care about the game. Okay, right. so it's, then if you really want to say it, go put them in a game against a team that cares. It's just it's just confirmation bias, and if you are you know so sure that UCF would not be competitive, realistically, what do you have to lose? And I know from their perspective, it's money. Um, because UCF might not bring in quite as much as you know any of these other blue blood schools. I mean, but the for the casual fan, yes, but they don't have the biggest fan base in America. They're growing, that's for sure. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's that's kind of always going to be the the reasoning, the rationale for wanting power five schools over group of five schools um, in the playoff and how the system basically is set up. So it's, it's not going to be positive possible for a group of five teams to make the playoff. Um, But yeah, it's, it's said we've got four undefeated teams right now. Um, Very easy to make a playoff right there. 14 playoff. That makes too much sense. I hate it. I hate logic. All right. So, Conference championship weekend and run through the, the power five championship games really quick. Um, sadly, not a lot of even matchups. Um, I mean, the, the big 10 has always been, you know, uneven divisions, especially when they switched it over from the hilariously named legends and leaders. Um, the AC, <laughs> ACC is kind of like that too. We've got Clemson. Who's just been rolling along against Pitt, who just got walloped by, a reeling Miami team. Who you got here? Clemson by about a billion. I don't, I don't think Pitt scores in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's too much to say there. It's two teams. Uh, I mean, Pitt was, I guess, trending up of late, but whenever I think of Pitt this year, I'll just think of the team that got blown out um, by Penn State and UCF in close order. Um Big Ten in Indianapolis, Ohio State against Northwestern, who did not win a non-conference game this year. People forget. That is true. <laughs> I'm going to take the Cats. I'm going to go different. I'm just going to say Northwestern wins it. They've won 15 of their last 16 Big Ten games. Pat Fitzgerald has them rolling. <laughs> I don't know if the offense has enough, but the defense might be good enough to, to hold Ohio State to under 30 and if the offense can make a couple big plays, which is very doable against this Ohio State defense, they've got a shot. I need to say, I think Northwestern will be better offensively than you know they might normally be um, because it's Ohio State and the secondary so weak. Clayton Thorson was someone who, before the season, was talked about as being like a top 10, top 15 pick. Which was which insane. Which was hilarious, um, just based on the credentials he has of being tall and white. Yes. Um, but Coming off a knee injury, too. Don't forget that. Yeah, I mean, that always helps the, the draft stock. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I, I think it's the way Haskins diced up Michigan's defense. have you know, a similar time against Northwestern. I think Ohio State wins this rather comfortably. Um, Big 12 rematch. Oklahoma has one loss of the year, taking on Texas. Boomer Sooner. It's, it's hard to beat a team twice. Just ask Georgia. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma in another shootout because, as we've seen, they can't stop anybody, but they sure as hell can outscore teams. 
So we're we're reversed on this one. I feel like the first time uh, I took Oklahoma, you took Texas, yep. but I am taking Texas this time. This is are they back? This is a Tom Herman game. This is this is a uh, this, this is, is a very game Tom the Longhorns Herman game. will be up for. Um, so I, I think Texas is is going to be up for it. It's it's going to be it's going to take a better effort from their defense. Um, I mean. Wouldn't be surprised we have a, a near carbon copy of the last time, just because Oklahoma has gotten so used to playing those type of games. Texas's defense is talented enough to at least show something, some sort of resistance to Oklahoma. And at this yeah. point, that would be like holding them under forty points in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Texas obviously has enough that they can score in Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I, I think it. It'll be another like forty-two to forty game or something like that. Yeah, um, but you're right. This I is like a very Texas. Tom Herman game. I've been wrong. I think all but one week on Texas this <laughs> on year. On Texas, yeah. <laughs> I think I've also been wrong like most of the time on Oklahoma this year as well, except for last week. So I'm gonna ride the hot hand and go with Oklahoma. Fair enough. Pack twelve. The I'd say worst of these games, Washington yeah. and Utah. After basically after all of this, like how the season has kind of really seemed to have gotten away from them, Washington can still win the Pac-12. It was it was basically a crapshoot to see who would win the Pac-12 South because no one wanted to. Yeah, um, Colorado started strong against. Nobody. A schedule that was softer than baby shit um, somehow got ranked, which is still just the most bananas thing of all time. Uh, they fell off. Arizona State started strong, fell off. USC fell off a cliff. So Utah is the, the de facto winner. Um, do they have any shot against Washington here? Yeah, I think they actually win it because I don't believe in Washington in big games. They've, they won their big game. They won the Apple Cup. That's it. They've ridden the emotional high. They took out their rival from a chance at the playoff. I'm going to take Utah. No starting quarterback. He's out for the year, but I still like the Utes. Wow. Okay. I'm taking um, some chances yeah, this week. <laughs> you got to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Washington still. I, I just think the talent disparity is too much, even though, you know, like you said, Washington hasn't had the season that they were kind of hoping um, going into that big week one matchup with Auburn. But I think Miles Gaskin really rounded into form. Jake Browning is due for a, a bounce back game after frustrating last week. So I think Washington wins this. It'll probably be an ugly game because that's just been the brand this year. But yeah, I think the, I think the Huskies are going to take it. Look how far we've come from talking about how great the Washington-Auburn game is to, to talking about Washington somehow sneaking into the Pac-12 title and Auburn just being an absolute fire. But it's, uh, yeah. we And this is why preseason we, rankings we come suck. To this, we come to this conclusion every um, year. at the end of every regular season, but then we fall into the same trap yeah. um, week or pre-week one, after week one, the overreactions. Can't help it. It's a trap, and I keep falling into it. Yeah, and it's all brought up by the preseason rankings. Yeah. Like LSU, all the hype around LSU this year is essentially due to preseason rankings. Yeah. 
say they got that top 10 win over Miami, who has just been terrible. Absolute shit. Yeah. Terrible. Um, yeah. And then Alabama, Georgia. Auburn uh, gave Bama a game for a, a half second, and then the third quarter happened. Yep. And it was all over. This like was the the SEC. Yeah. I mean, this was the SEC championship we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bumpier pass for Georgia to get here, but they're here nonetheless. Still have an opportunity to uh, to get into the playoff. Do they have enough to beat Alabama, or is it just pointless for anyone to try? I don't think they have enough, but I think it's going to be a very close game that comes down to the wire. I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't see Alabama's offense having as many big explosive plays that they are used to, and I think it's a lot more of the ground game that is going to take them where they need to get, and that's on both sides of the ball. Not really as surprising for Georgia because I think that's how it's been all season, a run-first mentality with Fromm being able to kind of spread the field a little bit and help out the run game, less than it has been set the run so Tua can just let loose on secondaries for Alabama. I think I think it's going to be like a 17-14 or 21-17 type game where Alabama will get a late score to win it, and there will absolutely be a penalty on Georgia for scoring a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think this and Oklahoma, Texas are the only two I'll really have an interest in watching um, mm-hmm. in terms of competitiveness. Right. George is pretty damn good. They are. Uh, but I still don't see a scenario in which Alabama does not win this game. Um even if Tua gets just, hurt, I still think Jalen Hurts can win this game. I mean, yeah, J- Jalen Hurts is a a fine backup quarterback. Um, <laughs> I would a say. terrible situation to be in. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I think twenty one seventeen or so is is pretty fair. It'll probably be a little more high scoring, um, just because Alabama actually does have a good quarterback, right? Um, which even at this point in the season is still. So wild, um, but I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Say Alabama at this point, probably in either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, unless Georgia probably, wins by like seventy, which I just you, is not I, possible. I, honestly, even if that happens, people would find a way. Yeah, to to talk themselves into that. Um, but yeah, Georgia wins. Therein, um, if it's an instant classic, Georgia narrowly loses. Could have some controversy on our hands, but for now, looks I I would say Alabama's going to win that game. Yeah, um, I don't know. We will uh, next time we talk. The uh, the playoff field will be set, so will. we'll have that to talk about. Um, college basketball. We'll get to most and least impressive teams in a second. Now, first, you wanted to give a shout-out to most impressive conference. The Big East. Four Thanksgiving Week tournament winners. Four of them after just getting throttled in the Gavit game. So they did not hit rock bottom. They're not a bad conference. They've figured out ways to win and can do it against teams that are not Big Ten. 
So they got the uh, the Advocare, yep. the Wooden Legacy, yep. and what else? The Cayman Islands. I think that was Creighton's. Oh, Creighton. Yeah. And St. John's won one of the NITs, preseason NITs, whichever one was in Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. I cannot remember what it was, but yeah, St. John's won they, theirs. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I think the Big Ten only had... Michigan, Michigan State, probably. So you got us there. Um, Four to two. But your your uh, most and least impressive teams of last week. I know we have. The, I'm. I don't know, but I'm a hundred percent sure we have the same uh, most impressive team. That would be Gonzaga, running through the Maui Invitational, beating Duke without their best player, and Josh Perkins was essentially missing in action for about 30 minutes offensively of that game. He came to life in the final 10. They were able to hold Duke defensively and just look better overall as as the game wore on. That Gonzaga is my most impressive team. Yeah, it was especially impressive because for the first game and a half of Maui, they really didn't look good at all. Um, They were awful against Illinois. Really flustered against Illinois. Um the, playing against a style of basketball that is akin to a chicken running around with its head cut off. Um, bad first half against Arizona, bounced back, dominated the second half there to win by 17. And then, yeah, the final was extremely impressive, even though Duke kind of made it a game at the end. Um, I mean, just they have such a, a wide open, fairly positionless um, offense. Petrosev even um, has the ability to knock down a three or take somebody off the dribble. Um, and I mean, now, now Indiana gets to feel Duke's fury. Um, but the actual most impressive team, cause I assumed you would have Gonzaga and Michigan state, um, winning the, the big school, Las Vegas invitational, um, blew out UCLA, beat a, a sneaky good Texas team, um, who had beaten UMC also, earlier win in the season over Arkansas in overtime. And as we know, Arkansas, one of the better teams in the country. Um, of course. Cassius, Cassius Winston playing extremely well. Um, one of the better point guards in America, um, Josh Langford, big championship game performance against Texas. And like all time Mizzou teams at Michigan State, it's another phenomenal rebounding bunch. They're plus 19 in the final against Texas. Um, one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So and kind of fell off the radar a little bit with the season opening loss against Kansas, but they are, they're playing very well right now. Yeah, they were, they were an honorable, honorable mention, excuse me. Texas was certainly up there for consideration, just knocking off UNC. Um, You know, there, there were a couple, Kansas was up there. They beat Tennessee in overtime. That was a big win. There were definitely a lot of teams that had impressive weeks this week, but least impressive easily is TCU losing at home to Lipscomb, a team who had never beaten a top 25 team before. Not just that, TCU won the rebounding battle by seven and held Lipscomb to 19% from three. And that's not like a crazy number of like 19 of 100 from three. They were like four of 20 from three. Yeah, I mean, normally that would get you the W, but Jamie Dixon finds a way. And it's it's crazy, too, because of how over overachieving TCU had been in his first two years there. 
and now all of a sudden, like he has the talent he needs to be, you know, to be a top twenty-five team the entire season, and they just get get uh, pick up a bad loss to Lipscomb at home. Oh, that'll happen. Um, you you can you can accuse me of being a, a harsh grader, but I'm gonna go with LSU here. Uh, my least impressive. One and two, fourth place finish at the Advocare, um, which they came in as one of only two ranked teams because Villanova had fallen out of the top 25. Right. Narrow loss to Florida State, no shame in that, but then coming back and getting absolutely hammered by Oklahoma State in the third place game. I mean, Tremont Waters and Naz Reed combined five for 18 in that game and just really didn't show up. Kind of similar situation. Um, you, you worry about a little bit at LSU. There is plenty of talent there. This is, this should be, you know, a surefire NCAA tournament team. Um, but I mean, you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And to come out of that tournament with, you know, no resume building wins, only win over Charleston, um, really isn't going to show up on anybody's radar. SEC looks pretty good this year. They do. Um, and LS, LSU is going to have to, you know, pick it up and start start getting some wins in order to, you know, reach their potential, which I think can be as, as high as, you know, a, a four or five seed. Yeah. Uh, going back to the SEC, I think there's a clear top two, and I think it's Auburn and Tennessee right now. I think Kentucky is probably three. And that's saying something because they're just so loaded with talent. Yeah, Kentucky just really hasn't put it all together. They've looked. They need to keep obviously, that way for a couple more weeks yeah. until after we play them at MSG. Obviously, the Duke game was a real bad visual to start uh, the season. But even when they've been playing teams that clearly have less talent, they've looked sluggish. They've struggled to put them away. And I agree. I think Tennessee and Auburn right now are clearly two of the top 10 teams in the country, Kentucky is not. Yep. They're in the next tier. Um, there's a there's a good second tier of SEC teams right now, and I think it starts with, you know, Kentucky and Mississippi State. But, yeah, I would, I would say Tennessee and Auburn are clear two best right now. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, go ahead. Auburn, Auburn only lost to Duke by six. It doesn't look as great now, um, now that, you know, we know Duke is mortal and can be beaten. Right. Um, but they followed that up. Very impressive beatdown of Arizona in the third place game in Maui. Um, win over Xavier counts for something. Um, so not not a bad week for them by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and Tennessee, same thing. Got a, got a good win over Louisville by double digits. Wasn't able to, to get it done in the final against Kansas, but I think a big part of that is Grant Williams fouled out. Right. Admiral Schofield had to basically try to do everything offensively in the overtime period. And I mean, that's, that's a tough ask against Kansas. So, I mean, neither one of them won tournament titles, but I think both of them really, really showed out. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. And another team I was looking at for uh, the least impressive week you had mentioned LSU, I think UCLA kind of belongs up there. Is there a chance to show they belong with the big boys and they just got beat down twice? Yeah, I honestly is I was kind of surprised they were ranked as highly as they were coming into um, that game. I know Chris Wilkes is is very much improved this year, but like with with all the pieces that we know they're missing, um, yeah. it's been fairly well documented. Obviously, 
yeah, they they were really not competitive in Vegas at all. Um, tough showing in in what was a a pretty loaded field. Good opportunity for them to you know kind of establish themselves for Steve Alford to establish his team as you know potentially a a big time player in the Pac-12, but did not work not that way. Um, we've got the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, at this current moment, Big Ten is up one nothing. Nebraska's beat Clemson. Uh, Minnesota tied with Boston College right now. Um, a lot of good matchups this year. IU Duke, um, Michigan State, Louisville, UVA at Maryland, Purdue, Florida State, North Carolina, Michigan. Uh, which conference do you think comes out on top this year? I think the ACC has it by a game. I don't think it's anything. I think these are all incredibly competitive matchups. I don't see uh, any any major edge. Honestly, I think that UVA-Maryland game probably helps decide it. Um, Maryland's played pretty well to open the year outside of their opening night game where they couldn't cover. I don't even remember who they played. I just remember betting on them and losing. But... Virginia looked okay. They didn't look anything special in uh, Atlantis, but they they did. They got the job done. That's about that's about all I can say about them. So I've actually got it at six six after tonight. Um, so I think that the Minnesota BC game right now um, could really decide it. Um, I guess when this comes out, we'll know for sure. Yeah, uh, but the the. The three games I was really going um, back and forth on were, um, I mean, Nebraska-Clemson, which Nebraska already won, Syracuse-Ohio State, and Georgia Tech-Northwestern. And in the last two, Big Ten has home court advantage. That'll be much more of a factor at Ohio State. But I think even at Northwestern, um, they've got a slight talent advantage, new arena um, is going to help. Vic Law is playing very well so far. So I think that'll be enough for Northwestern to get a win there. And yeah, I mean, pretty much every other game is uh, is the home team or, or the ranked opponents right. in a, a ranked, unranked matchup. Um, so yeah, I think, think the Big Ten might, uh, might actually have a chance. Not something I would have anticipated saying before the start of the season, but mm-hmm. with some great starts by Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, um, all starting on ranks now on the top 25, it's it's less crazy than, than it would have been. For sure. And again, this isn't Gavit Games like. They're, these, <laughs> these, these conferences actually put out teams to play the games, and they're good teams nine times out of ten. But I think... I don't know. This I think it would be huge if the Big Ten could could also win this one. It, I mean, that is the pinnacle of November basketball, winning both conference challenges right there, and then having <laughs> like Never six teams before. ranked or whatever. It has not been done. That is a fact. That is that is factual. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what. What else to to say there? The uh, the Big Ten's at a slight disadvantage every year, anyway, um, because they have to Rutgers. 
play Rutger um, is their entire complement of teams and ACC does not. Looks like Wake Forest is uh, is going to be getting a break this year. Great timing. They stay. They yeah, convenient that. Um, yeah, seems like a conspiracy, but we shall overcome and potentially win. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean that that's it. There, there's tons of college basketball to get us through to conference championship weekend. Yeah, uh, so this time next week we will, as I said, know the playoff um, bracket. If you can call four teams a bracket. Um, we will know once and for all if the committee is serious about saying teams like UCF actually have a shot or if they're just full of shit. Or we might not. Maybe they'll lose to Memphis. But I'm choosing to believe that they will win and the committee will finally have to make a decision. We will know if the Big Ten has pulled off an unprecedented November double. Um, and we will know more of going into bowl season for college football. Uh, keep on listening. Keep on reading blogs on the site. We will have a lot more um, college football and basketball content for you. And uh, keep being awesome. Well, we're coming to your city. Game day.